Hi, my name is Fritz Wood. Thank you for joining us today on this podcast, which will cover general advice for students and new graduates on managing your student loans smartly. We know about 90% of veterinary students will graduate from school with student loans and that the uh, the average uh, student loan balance is at around 160000 In the web conference, we addressed kind of some rules of thumb and obviously these debt levels that veterinarians are taking on, you know, are considerably in excess of those debt levels that people would recommend. We also pointed out in the web conference that there are some provisions available, things like a government program called Pay As You Earn that effectively caps your monthly payment. So there's myriad options that students, but especially new graduates, are faced with as it relates to their student loans. So what our hope is here today is to bring some solid, impartial, objective, and, and actionable advice. I am pleased to be joined today by my friend and colleague, Jesse Bunsey. Jesse is a personal financial planner for Triune Financial Partners here in Kansas City. Jesse and I work closely together on a number of clients, including young veterinarians. And Jesse is a younger fellow, grew up on a dairy farm in Missouri, and he tends to work with folks that are closer to his own age. So, you know, probably 10 or 15 years post-graduation from college. So, Jesse is working, rolling his sleeves up and working with people every day who are trying to more effectively manage their student loans and make smart decisions. So, Jesse, welcome today. We appreciate you being here. Yeah, thanks so much for having me today. This is definitely an, an issue that I think statistically most people, whether you're in the veterinary field or not, are, are going to have to deal with some way and certainly in the veterinary field, the average student loan debt that people have to deal with at a very early time in life is significantly greater than what the national average is, you know, over four times what the national average is. So it's something very important to be intentional about early on. So I'm excited to be here and uh, have the opportunity to talk a little more about it. Well, very good. Uh, One of the things that Jesse did in in preparation for the podcast was just to phone a friend. He uh, reached out to some of his friends and colleagues and clients who have student loans and just sort of picked their brains about what do you wish you would have known. If you had to do this all over, what advice would you give somebody else? So, Jesse, when you were talking to some of those folks, were some of the common themes, were there things you heard that are important to pass along to this veterinary audience today? Sure. I would say that the common theme that all of the people that I talked to had to say, and and specifically, you know, people who are in the veterinary field, dealt a lot more with behavior and discipline than it did with a lot of the technical aspects of paying off loans. Really, the technical aspects are the easier part because in, in many ways they are what they are. But a lot of the themes, you know, the things that I heard very frequently were things Simply like, don't take out more debt than you actually need to. Surprising the number of people who will take out more student loan debt than they actually need to pay their bills and to pay their tuition expenses. And they'll find out later on that that money's pretty darn easy to spend. It's very similar to people taking out a much larger mortgage than what they need or can afford. And so that can really be something that can be a very big burden to people very early in life. And people that I talked to reminisced about seeing many of their fellow students do exactly that. And then also just really how do you build a plan that is not going to leave you in a spot that you're not going to be able to accomplish it. I mean, we can work out routines like P90X and different things that you simply can't continue to do these things long term. And so you have to have something that works for you and your family. But just putting together a plan to be able to actually 
pay off debt, know exactly what you're going to have to pay, and be able to make other obligations as well. I'm always amazed, you know, when I read basic personal finance articles about that. I mean, one of the first recommendations always seems, well, let's start off with a piece of paper or a spreadsheet and let's list our debts. And I'm thinking, holy cow, you mean you don't know them? I mean, evidently there are lots of people that don't have that sort of sense for who they owe and how much. And for some people, that's a critical first step is just, you know, getting their arms around from an organizational standpoint and figuring out what they have. And a big part of that is fear. We know that there's something out there that's kind of scary that we have to deal with, especially when people are in college or, you know, in their deferment period. They don't want to look at it. I mean, I've had many different clients tell me really in those exact words. I had a client that I was speaking with just a couple of weeks ago that his wife was still in school and he had just graduated and they both had professional degrees and it was a pretty large student loan balance. And he said, when the dust settles, I think it's going to be around this amount or in this range and very clear that there was a lot of anxiety attached to that and just getting things out into the light and knowing what you have to deal with takes away an immense amount of anxiety and increases the chances that you will actually be able to stick to a plan. So traditional, and we're going to talk here about specifically federal student loans, under traditional terms, student did not elect otherwise would be required to pay off that loan in 10 years. And quite frankly, that in the veterinary profession, on average, not going to happen. I take that back. I mean, may, perhaps it's possible, but it would be, you'd have to live very strangely to make that work. So what I would like for you to talk about is some of the pros and the cons that you see out there in terms of some of these, what I would call, they're still federal government related, they're alternative payback plans. And I mentioned the one, the pay as you earn. But what I find is that there are people who are enormously anxious and upside down in their student loans, and they don't know that there are some options out there that they might be well suited for. So could you just sort of at least generally discuss some of those options that are available? Yeah, there's a couple of different options that are available, and with most of them, you have to demonstrate what is generally called a significant financial need, which can mean, you know, different things and oftentimes will depend on the family size, but especially for a single veterinarian coming right out of school, income-based or income-driven repayments which essentially allows you to tailor, and you have to renew it each year, but allows you to tailor your payment. It's tied to what your income is. Now, oftentimes, veterinarians are going to be married when they come out of school, and when that's the case, especially if it's a two-income family, oftentimes the income-driven repayment might not actually be an option, but there are multiple different options. Pay-as-you-earn is another one. You know, I know that you talked about, Chris, but I think it's also very important to be aware of the pros and the cons. The pro is that if you have a lower payment, it's much more likely that you'll be able to afford it. It's different from year to year, but oftentimes these types of programs will have a 20 or even a 25-year payoff. and Some of them may have forgiveness of a student loan at the end of that. The problem is, if the person continues to qualify for these types of repayment, there are situations where they make very little progress on the actual principal balance, and sometimes they may not even in early years be paying off the interest. And so the balance of the loan that they owe is actually going up. And so it's important for people to keep in mind not just the what does this look like for my budget today aspect of student loans, but how is this going to impact me for a time period that could easily match what a mortgage might be? 
let's say, for example, that I was a single new graduate and I enrolled in in the pay-as-you-earn or similar income-based system. And then over some time, maybe I became married and was in a two-earner family and somehow ceased to be eligible for that program. It's still, in the short term, when I was getting started, my income was at its lower or least amount from the perspective that it bought me some breathing room in the short term. I mean, do you think, I mean, my advice typically has been for people, hey, if you owe a lot more than your starting salary, you probably at least ought to look at these income-based payment programs. Is that generally, would you agree with that? Absolutely. For some people who, you know, even are living a relatively modest or reasonable lifestyle, it may really about the only way for them to be able to make payments and get by in the first couple of years. Oftentimes, there are things that people go out and purchases that they don't necessarily need to that can really hurt cash flow. But oftentimes, there are just things that are associated with being an adult and being out of school. And it can really help people to be able to make ends meet during these times that they are eligible for that program. I certainly agree that it's something that really everyone who thinks they may be eligible should look at. Let me ask you one other question on this, Jesse, that I get from students at the veterinary colleges, and that is this notion of how marriage impacts my student loan repayment. And specifically, the question I get is, if I file separately, can we then just look at my income in a vacuum for purposes of income-based repayment? And I don't know the answer to that, and I know there's a host of reasons why you might not want to file separately, totally unrelated to this matter. You know, I'm throwing this question at you out of the blue, so don't feel bad if you don't know the answer. I was just curious. No, I think it's a great question, and I would respond to that question with a piece of advice because the way that you prefaced it was perfect. There are a whole host of things that come into play when it comes to that, and oftentimes people in their 20s and 30s don't think that they need to engage the services of a certified public accountant, but When it comes to those decisions of does it make sense to file jointly, does it make sense to file separately, this gets into situations of additional borrowing for mortgages and for other obligations that young people have. Oftentimes, whatever you're going to pay to a CPA or a tax professional is going to be well worth it to be able to help make those decisions. And also, you know, that is something that a financial planner working in concert with a CPA can help people to figure out what's best for them because when you have marriage come into play, oftentimes kids are coming into play very quickly, perhaps other student loans that the spouse has. There's a whole host of different things and it needs to be looked at very intentionally. Let me ask you a question, Jesse, that I hear driving around town, seems regardless the radio station I'm tuned to, I hear these blanket advertisements from organizations like one of them's called Credible, one of them's called SoFi, and they're specifically targeting people with student loans, and they're encouraging those people to basically consolidate their student loan and basically pay off their student loans and end up with a new loan is what it amounts to. And, you know, I think the carrot is you may be able to get a lower interest rate and some other things, but if you would just kind of generally, can you sort of set forth in your mind kind of some pros and cons of those kind of SoFi and Credible and things like that, kind of the popular student loan consolidators today? Absolutely. It was actually one of my clients who is a veterinarian, and actually it's a veterinarian married to a veterinarian who was the first of all of my younger clients who brought to my attention, not necessarily to my attention, but I guess brought to the conversation the idea of potentially looking at 
student loan consolidation specifically to a private lender, and it was you know one of those that you had mentioned. And there are definitely some pros. There are situations where you may be able to get a lower interest rate, have a fixed interest rate, so you know exactly what your interest rate is going to be over time, and oftentimes stretch out past that 10-year period to make loans more manageable to pay back. So running the numbers is fairly easy, but the real con that I see associated with those types of things is you do give up the ability to utilize things like income-driven repayment. You don't have flexible repayment schedules that if something, for instance, you know, you may have a client who was eligible for income-driven repayments, was making more money at some point, was no longer eligible, but a spouse may lose a job or, you know, a spouse may become disabled. There's a whole host of things that can happen that would make having those options very, very beneficial. Another major concern is that when you do refinance to these private student loans, in many cases, if the person who borrows the money from a federal loan passes away or becomes disabled, there are forgiveness and deferment opportunities depending on what the situation is. Whereas with private loans, the only provision for something bad happening that I'm aware of is for unemployment. But when it comes to disability and the person was to pass away, you completely give up those protections as well that do come through a federal student loan. So you're giving up quite a bit. And oftentimes people, whenever they are no longer able to do income-driven repayment, think that they never will again. But Unfortunately, as I've seen many times, life does happen, and so it is important to keep in mind what you're giving up, even if you may be saving a little bit of money in interest. But calculating the amount of money that you save can help to make that decision. Yeah, I mean, on the one hand, you know, uh, gee, my student loan payment goes down by X amount, and it's easy to quantify that. On the other hand, maybe I don't sleep as well at night knowing if I were to die or to become disabled or want to enter deferment or forbearance, that those things are no longer possible at all. You give up those things. So it's a pretty major decision that shouldn't be taken lightly, as you said before. So, Jesse, thank you for joining me today, and I look forward to you joining me on our next podcast on establishing and protecting your credit.